Hi everyone, welcome back to the Cyber Empowerment Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined here with Mr. Aaron Clark. Aaron is a cybersecurity expert and has been in the cybersecurity industry for almost two decades now and has worked at some of the largest companies in the world, including IBM, Microsoft, and Oracle, among many others. And Aaron is currently a senior manager at Oracle, and we're really glad to have him on the podcast today. Aaron, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Thanks, Aaron. Uh, so, Aaron Clark, I uh, like uh, Aaron said, I'm a senior manager at Oracle. I am responsible for a team that essentially connects uh, security tooling to our uh, approval processes. That's part of our, our security assurance practice. Um, so, you know, worth noting today. Uh, while I work for Oracle, everything we'll be discussing today is my own personal opinions and experiences. It doesn't represent the the company itself, but happy to, to share what I know. All right. So just to get us started here, um, what is your definition of cybersecurity? Well, you know, the, the, the breadth of the field's just gotten really giant um, at this point. Uh, you know, to me, it encompasses anything where we're trying to uh, protect our customers uh, against the the triad of security concerns. So you know, um, uh, availability of data, integrity of data, uh, and <laughs> I'm blanking on the last one here because I'm a little tired at the end of the day. Um, uh, let's see, availability, integrity, uh, and confidentiality. I'm sorry. So the third one would be. <laughs> Uh, you know, making sure that that data is not uh, shouted from the rooftops in a way that other people, you know, know uh, your your confidential secrets or, or your private information. So, you know, that can take different, um, uh, it, that can look different at different companies. So, for example, you know, at a cloud company that's building like these huge systems that uh, underpin, um, you know, other companies' uh, major products that can look very different, the, the security work and what cybersecurity means for that company versus a very specialized company. So, so it's really interesting space and there's a lot of ins and outs and um, I feel like you can always find something that interests you within it. Um, so, so it's a good one to take a look at. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of students have this misconception that cybersecurity is, you know, just like keeping your password safe, but it's, uh, it's a lot more than that. As you said, it's about yeah. like one of the main concepts is like CIA confidentiality, integrity, and availability, and not a lot of students know that. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know how it looks these days in school. But when I was in college, we didn't have any security classes, so no, you don't get a lot of coverage of it in school. Yeah, so you actually started your career as a software engineer. And you moved on to cybersecurity uh, a couple years later. So, how did you first get interested in cybersecurity as a career? And can you kind of describe the steps that you took to learning about cybersecurity and how you eventually made it your your career? Sure. Um, you know, it, it's it's worth noting that for me it was almost by accident. It, it's not something that I, you know, in college was saying I I want to go into security. Um, 
uh, I was uh, a computer science and media studies major, so I was interested in you know making films, the media studies, and then um, you know programming, the d development uh, and computer science. Uh, I my first job out of college was a development job, uh, and I wanted to move to New York City. Uh, so when I was updating my resume, I sent it to a good friend who actually worked as a security consultant, uh, and. and Without warning me, he sent that resume on to to the company he worked for. Um, so that's how I ended up in security. Uh, they were looking for software development experts. Um, they they you know had started doing uh, what you know a lot of folks refer to as black box penetration testing, where you're acting like a hacker and trying to get in from the outside. Um, but they were wanting to to understand more how software was built, so that they could you know advise companies on to build the software more security once they found these problems uh, and th that's how I ended up there it, it was um, almost by luck and happenstance uh, and it ended up being a good fit it really is fascinating but um, <laughs> I, I had no idea about security when I was going to college it wasn't something that it like even entered the, the lexicon of my professors so um, it, it was just through the, the, the you know this friendship that uh, I ended up in the security world yeah i i find that a lot of people that i've i've talked to they they actually start their cybersecurity careers similar to you uh, just by accident like accidentally stumbling upon cybersecurity and eventually it turns into you know like you a uh, decades long career yep. <laughs> it's been a long time now yeah it, it's uh once you're in security you know there's so many different directions you can take it like i've worked sales uh, I, I work as a manager now. Um, I've done penetration testing, like consulting type work, um, and of course, development work for security. Uh, so, you know, if it ends up being something that interests you, you're not pigeonholed. There's a lot of different ways you can actually take the career. Yeah, so I think a lot of high schoolers aren't very familiar what to expect, you know, in a cybersecurity job or maybe even just an IT job in general, such as yours. So do you think you could uh, walk us through what you do on a day-to-day -day basis in your role at Oracle and what kind of tasks and challenges do you deal with? Yeah, no problem. So, um, you know, being that I'm a, I've moved into management, uh, I, I spend a lot of time on more of the soft skills side of things. So I have a, 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 an amazing team that does a lot of technical work for, for our division. Um, and the th types of things they're doing is they're taking the different types of tooling that are out there. So, you know, there's tools that look at the security of your source code, that look at the security of your dependencies, um, that look at if there's malware that you need to be concerned with uh, and a whole bunch of other uh, factors too, and, and we're continually taking the results of this tooling and bringing it into a central place so that we can uh, make security decisions to help protect the company. So, you know, my job uh, on a day-to-day -day basis is I have meetings with the, the owners of those different uh, platforms so that we can make sure we stay aligned um, with what they're building versus, you know, what we need internally to make sure uh, everything stays secure. Uh, and, and then, you know, the, the, the other area that I work is with my team, I'm trying to help them, you know, uh, set direction, uh, set goals and priorities, um, you know, make sure that, that we are as a team uh, ensuring that we're uh, producing the work that we need to, to, to um, 
get our platforms integrated properly into our approval processes. So, you know, approval processes in this case would mean like the secure development lifecycle, the SDL. So, you know, as uh, uh, Oracle teams, they build software, we need to make sure that that software is secure. Um, but we have various integration points so that we can work with them to ensure before it goes live into production that it, it, it is secured properly for uh, us and our customers. So, you know, it, it's a mix, a lot of meetings, um, it's a fair bit of decision making. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is always, uh, in, as you get more senior, you have decisions that have greater impact on not just the company, but the customers as well. So you have to build yourself um, good decision-making framework so that when you make a decision, you're comfortable with it over time, uh, especially with something like security. Um, you know, the impacts of a bad decision can be very high compared to other areas of a company. You know, that there, there are other divisions of a company that, that, you know, are just as critical, like, you know, legal decisions matter quite a bit and financial decisions, but security sits right up there with, you know, the, the, the ones that where it's really critical to feel comfortable that you've made the right decision to come to, for, for the company you work for to make sure that they stay secure. Definitely. When you started out, did your day-to-day -day work look similar to what you do now or has it uh, changed quite a bit? It's evolved a huge amount. So when I started out in security, I, I was working as a, a, a security consultant. So essentially my job at that point would be that I would be sent to different companies to test their software to see if I could find security vulnerabilities. And then, you know, usually I found some, usually I found some critical ones. That's just, you know, the nature of building software. Uh, and then the other part of that job was to write remediation guides. So to tell um, engineers and developers that are not security experts how to implement a, a fix so that it properly fixed the, the vulnerability that I had found because you know, one of the things you'll find over time uh, when you're working in security is you'll tell someone you found something, tell them to fix it, but if you don't give them very good guidance, they'll introduce um, essentially more vulnerabilities as they try to fix that <laughs> one if they don't have a good understanding. So um, that, that was how I got started in security was more of this very technical hands-on work. And then, you know, over time, as you get more senior, you can make these decisions on, you know, what direction you want to get. Some people, like there, there's people at my same peer level that have been working the same amount of time I have, and they're still working in a highly technical hands-on role. And then there's others like myself that, um, you know, we may not go as deep anymore, but we're able to spread our influence by, you know, either managing a team or acting as an architect where you're, you're um, pushing guidance to a, to a large number of people. So. Uh, it, it's evolved quite a bit when you look at like that penetration testing that I started with to the, the soft skills type work I do today. Just now you mentioned about secure software and I find that nowadays a lot of students not just at my school but in general they they're very into coding and programming and writing softwares but uh, I find that at, at school we don't typically learn about you know like what makes software secure and if we don't even know how to make secure software is there really a point yeah <laughs> you can end up where you're doing more harm than good very quickly yeah something interesting i read the other day was actually um about the shelf life of cybersecurity skills 
And I read that the half-life of up-to-date cybersecurity knowledge is only around uh, two years, which means that for about every every two years, half the knowledge kind of goes away. Can you speak on the importance of you know continuous learning in cybersecurity and how how do you keep your skills up to date? Yeah, so you know, in my opinion, any job you're you're in, it, you should be continuously learning to to improve your ability to perform in that job. Uh, I think. You know, what I've seen in the past is folks that do not have that mindset of continuous learning, they get left behind in really unfortunate ways. Um, so that's not just, you know, it's not isolated to security, but security does drive that to another level by, you know, all of the new technologies that are continually being introduced and the new security problems that they might cause, like AI being a, one on everyone's mind right now, where there's whole new classes of attack where you know you have to learn about those and understand them to, to properly secure uh, your your organization, your business. Um, you know you you have to think about the ways that those models can be attacked, both from when they're being created and when they're being interacted with um, by a, a a customer or a user or you know someone malicious out there. Um, so, so there's a couple of different ways to keep those skills fresh. You know, one is, I think you always want to be monitoring just the the general, um, you know, zeitgeist, what's going on in the news, what are people talking about with respect to security. Um, you know, blogs are still a great way to do that. Uh, places like Reddit, you get a lot of good information. Um, conferences are another great way to to get uh, exposure to cutting edge research. So, you know, almost everyone knows. Black Hat and DEF CON, the two biggest, but yeah. there's also um, in almost every part of the country where there, there's major businesses, there's things like B-Sides conferences where um, you can get exposure to people doing uh, uh, cutting edge security work and get real interesting uh, information from them and with respect to how they're doing it, what they're seeing in the industry, and, and you can use that to, to help inform your own work. So um, I think those are two great ways to, to, to keep pace. Um, and then, you know, there's always others as well. There, there's folks that choose to go back to school to do, you know, cybersecurity degrees and things like that. That can be useful if you're um, wanting to specialize in a particular area. Uh, and, and then there's, you know, all sorts of books, articles, other material that you can find to, to kind of up-level your knowledge year to year. Um, and then the final thing is like things like SANS courses. So, you know, a week or two week long course that'll do a deep dive on a particular subject matter area. So especially as you're beginning your career, those can be really helpful. Some of them come with certifications or you can test for certifications afterwards like CISSP. Um, and those help show, you know, folks that are not security experts like HR who are still, you know, reviewing resumes and trying to find security folks to hire that you have the, the necessary skill set for them to bring you in for an interview. So that would be very helpful as well. Yeah, something I actually found interesting was in my in my talk with um, Mr. Munir, he mentioned that sometimes, you know, the certifications that you receive could be more important than the degree you graduate with. So from your perspective, you know, what what role does certifications play in the field of cybersecurity and are there any specific certifications you would recommend for uh, anyone just starting out 
Yeah, so you know they they're never a hard requirement, but they're an easy way to communicate that you understand various security um, uh, domains without uh, um, you know having to go through a full interview. So so that's where they're super helpful, right? Is uh, most people have degrees in engineering or computer science, and you know there's not a, an easy way to know how much exposure to security they've had from those. So. That's where you know when people are going through hiring processes, something like a CISSP is very valuable for, for folks to understand that you have that security knowledge. Um, that said, beyond the CISSP, my, I personally don't you know um, keep up with a lot of the certifications, so I'm not an expert on on which ones for for other fields. Um, for, for the area I work, where you know in security assurance, you need this broad base of security knowledge. You, need to be able to make decisions have trade-offs between different layers of the security stack so you know physical security network security uh, application level security um, see the certifications like the CISSP at least guarantee that folks have that um, baseline level of understanding for each of these different areas so uh, it's one we look favorably on when we're, we're looking for folks that do work similar to myself so do you feel that uh, hands-on experiences, do you think it's more valuable in the field of cybersecurity than, you know, a degree or um, a certification exam? I think it's incredibly valuable from the, the standpoint of, a, especially when you look at like the black box penetration testing, things like that, which, you know, help you on the, the white box side too. Um, you know, without actually having that hands-on experience, you really don't know how it all works and how it gets put together, right? So um, another area where uh, the, the conferences, especially like DEF CON, can be very valuable because you can participate in things like Capture the Flag, which are the closest you'll get to a real scenario um, without it being, you know, um, uh, against production computers. Uh, that hands-on activity you just can't replace, right? Like you know, being able to, to try and exploit and see what comes back and understand when it worked or when it only partially worked or when it didn't work at all. Um, for, for like hands-on technical side of the, the, this work, that's super valuable and I don't think there's any other way to, to easily get that experience. Do you think for maybe like a high schooler starting out, do you think uh, maybe like Black Box or DEF CON is something that uh, they could participate in to gain some, you know, beginner level experience? Yeah, I think DEF CON, especially because it's relatively cheap compared to some of the other conferences, um, you know, it, it's a great one to, to um, start experiencing early, uh, especially, you know, if you're doing like a computer science, computer engineering degree, so you're understanding how things are built. Um, going to a, something like DEF CON so you can see how they're how they get broken into uh, it, it, it's a really good combination uh, of learning uh, experience switching gears a little bit um, you've been uh, as we mentioned in the cybersecurity industry for around two decades now and you've had the opportunity to work in uh, several different companies and with several different groups of people so what role do you think uh, diversity and uh, inclusion play in uh, the cybersecurity field? And how can we encourage more diverse participation uh, in cybersecurity? 
Um, you, it, it, it's a huge impact, right? So, um, you know, you, you want it from a couple of different directions. Uh, the, the first and foremost, um, security is about thinking outside of the box, right? It's about, you know, understanding, yes, what someone would typically do interacting with a piece of software, but if you're really going to break into something, you need to understand all these different ways that you could misuse it, right? So, so you you want people that don't think in kind of the standard and same way as everyone else. Um, so, you know, one way that you can ensure that you have a breadth of different thinking um, and, and a number of different people that come at a problem from a different direction is to, to have a high degree uh, of diversity and make sure that those people are, are included um, and supported, right? So, so especially in security, I think it's super valuable to get a, a diverse team established. Um, the challenge is, uh, of course, you know, is a lot of the most important people to your team are not going to be well re represented at, at, at like the college level. Um, so, you know, the, one of the things you want to do is you want to try to engage people, right? So. Um, you know, podcasts like this are, are, are a great example. Um, encouraging uh, people who may not think security is for them, um, you know, trying to expose them to the different areas within security that may be of interest to them. Uh, I think all of that's super important. And the earlier you can reach people, the better, so that they don't just discount it as a career early on because they think, oh, well, um, you know, it's the, the domain of uh, you know, people living in their basement just um, hacking away with their computers. <laughs> Uh, that's a part of it, right? Like that, those folks are there, um, but there, there's so many different things that you can do in security, and even the the best hackers don't need to be sitting in like a, a dim basement, right? It's all about you know how can you think outside the box with uh, how this software was built and expected to be used, so you can understand what the misuse cases might be. So, um, you know that that's why diversity and inclusion super important for, for my own team and just more broadly in the security industry. Um, the other area that I think is super fascinating, useful, and important is kind of that, that um, uh, crossing of ideas from other domains, right? So I think you get a lot of value when you pull people in from not just like pure computer science or engineering, um, you know, there, there's a ton of value um, from people who have expertise in other areas coming into um, security and using those to, to kind of expand um, how we we execute uh, on our, our testing and our assurance processes and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. I I actually heard a story um, before that about how a child psychologist transitioned into uh, digital forensics. And with her experience from, you know, child psychology, she was able to analyze series of texts and, you know, identify trends in those texts and kind of say, you know, I, I know what this person's thinking and what he's trying to do. So, you know, transitioning from different fields can give you, you know, a broader and wider perspective than pure CS or computer science. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, how can you uh, combine two disparate fields of knowledge in a way that becomes like a greater than a sum of its parts, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of switching topics a little bit, 
I'm sure you've heard of ChatGPT before, and I think that AI is becoming an increasingly important part of our lives. Um, you know, but but with that, cybersecurity also has to evolve to match these trends. So, how do you see the the field of cybersecurity evolving in the future? And are there any emerging trends besides uh, AI that students should be aware of for the future? AI is a good one, um, and, and you know it comes at multiple levels too, right? So you know I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but um, with AI you have kind of the model building phases um, where you're training these models, and then um, you have the, the later phases where people are interacting with them. And, uh, I think most people are familiar with some of the the, um, the dangers of both sides, but. Uh, when you're building a security program around that, that there's so many different parts that have to, to come together, right? So there, there's, you know, the, this very high level, like policies and standards type of work that has to happen where you're essentially setting a, at this, you know, not super technical level, like what needs to happen as you, your company builds these systems to make sure that they, um, you know, are secure and they reflect well on the company. Um, Cause you know, Security is about reputation too. So um, the danger with those chat programs sometimes is people can convince them to say things that are inappropriate or you know not acceptable in a business context uh, or, or are just you know in the worst case you might have it say something illegal where you know it had picked up proprietary information from somewhere that you didn't know about and it spit that back out that sort of thing. Um, so there's boundaries that you have to place both around the, the, how they're trained and um, you know how the, those models are built but also around how you try to prevent someone from um, getting uh, that chat bot or you know, that system to, to output text that would be uh, damaging to your reputation so um, you know that's first happens at a high level policies and standards and then there's it starts to go to levels down where it's about implementation and guidelines around like you know what data you use and other things um and, and then you know some of it is it's kind of not figured out yet right because it's a new area so when you're dealing with those then you're depending on some of your 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 most senior experts to, to kind of experiment they're they're going to try to understand you know how does this system get hacked so that they can build um, a remediation that tries to prevent that from happening. And there's various degrees of success, especially early on. Um, you know, other stuff that's going on right now. There, there's constant work at the hardware level. So, you know, especially when you get these internet systems, it means that folks are sharing data across like multiple customers or multiple users on the same systems, right? So, you know. That's where you know if you look up something like Rowhammer or some of the, the um, memory leak uh, attacks, all of that is uh, at this hardware level. They're figuring out you know that there's ways uh, to to get around some of the separation uh, of data on those systems where they can get the data of uh, another customer or another user. Um, so so that's always in the bleeding edge right now too. Um, and then you know there there's just the perennial you know process and procedure problems that for for someone like me are, are actually really interesting too. So um, you know uh, dependency management isn't a solved problem right now. It's not super exciting from you know a, a technique standpoint because it's nothing new. 
Um, you know, all it means is uh, when you build a piece of software these days, you include dependencies from open source, from other companies that you've paid for, etc. Um, and if they have security vulnerabilities, well, those are your security vulnerabilities now too. Um, so, you know, that there's all sorts of work going on to try to, to better uh, align those processes of development and, and dependency management to, to remove security vulnerabilities as quickly as possible. Um, but it's certainly not a solved problem. So, so things like that are super fascinating to me because, you know, anytime you, you look at a process, it, it's a combination of, you know, the technical side plus the people side. Uh, and those are the hardest problems to solve. You know, it, it, it's not just a, a, a simple technical solution. You have to figure out a process that works with all the various stakeholders that uh, uh, combine to do uh, uh, delivery and uh, development and delivery of software. So uh, I always like those areas best <laughs> myself. But it, you know, it, it's bleeding edge with respect to, to trying to fix the problem, even if the problems existed for a long time. Yeah, and and one other thing I've I've heard is that quantum computers, with the help of AI, have recently recently been able to crack commonly used encryptions like uh, RSA or uh, AES. What, what do you think about quantum computing? I think the, the true impact, I'm still, you know, I, I think a lot of us are waiting to see as these systems mature. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, attacks against cryptography algorithms are um, theoretical, but they're going to turn into practice soon and then we'll see just how much impact that has on all of the work we've done for years to to, to put the right algorithms in place to, to secure data. Um, you know, there, there's stuff that we could do ahead of time. So, you know, there, there's always work being done to, to work on, you know, what people believe will be quantum resistant algorithms. Um, but again, there's a difference between theory and practice. So uh, it, it's, it's a scary time. <laughs> <laughs> look at those crypto spaces and try to, to figure out like you know what do you spend time and effort on um, because you know if one of those gets cracked and it's something that you're heavily using at your company it's going to be a lot of work to, to change that to another algorithm very quickly um, and in some cases you know it's it, it's worse than that because you know, if you've encrypted uh, data that you've sent publicly with a specific algorithm and then that's a, a, a an algorithm that gets broken later on, people may be able to get access to some of that data. So there's other work being done to, to you know, reduce the risk of that happening. But it's, it's an interesting space, but I, I feel like there, there's still a lot of fog around, you know, what's possible and, you know, what the best uh, um, protections are going to be for, for the least amount of actual effort to them. To end us off today. Do you have any final tips for uh, a high school student that uh, want to pursue a career in cybersecurity? Uh, you know, I would just say that uh, a breadth of education is always super valuable. So, you know, you don't have to just look at the, the cybersecurity classes to, to get yourself into uh, a cybersecurity career. Um, you know, a, a broad computer science uh, background is going to give you a very good foundation to understand how things work and um, how uh, computers can be operated safely. 
um, which is a, a very good foundation to, to work in uh, 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 cybersecurity. Um, the, the other thing I'll say is in, in any corporation, um, it's not just the hard skills like computer science and engineering that that you know make you successful. Being able to to write effectively, communicate effectively, um, you know, any of the work that you do, you're going to have to configure. You're going to have to convince someone more senior that it's important. You know, if you're developing something, you're going to have to convince your boss and your boss's boss to, to resource that. Um, if you're like a consultant, like I was for a long time, you're writing uh, essentially papers that tell. Um, Developer developers at the company that you're consulting for and their managers why something's a problem and why they need to fix it and how they should fix it. Um, all of that, you know, it's very important to, to you know know how to write um, impactful statements that are concise um, that get their point across. It doesn't have to be flowery language. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, what you would get from a, a, a very serious English degree, for example. But you. You need to be able to, to um, take the stuff that you know and be able to convert it into a communication that gets to the right person and convinces them um, that the, the veracity of what you said. So, um, you know, I, I would say to not just look at the, the technical side of it, but also, you know, how you can improve um, the, the soft skills side of it as well. For me, that was the, the media studies degree, but there, there's other ways to go about that too. Uh, and that'll be super valuable as you move into a cybersecurity career, even if it's not directly security related. All right. Thank you, Aaron, for your time today. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really uh, appreciated the time today.